Hi, I'm your host, Thomas, data scientist, data engineer, and you're listening Let's Talk AI. On this podcast, we receive experts to talk about their experience, visions, challenges, with no fear to go into technical details. If you're looking to learn more about AI and related subjects, you're at the right place to make yourself comfortable and enjoy. If you like this episode, please give us a review on your favorite streaming platform, such as Spotify or Apple Podcast. You can also find more content on my LinkedIn newsletter. Welcome everyone on this new episode of Let's Talk AI. Today I'm super happy to be with Fabian Werkmeister. How are you doing, Fabian? I'm good, thank you. Thanks for the invitation. I'm super happy to have you. We'll be able to discuss a lot of uh, things, data engineering, uh, full stack. We'll talk about use cases, a lot of ideas. Um, I've been uh, told that you have, when we're out of ideas to build things, we need to ask you. You're the guy to to uh, to go to on, on LinkedIn. Um, so super happy to have you on the show. Thanks for taking the time. Uh, Ari, uh, maybe for the people who might not know, can you introduce yourself? Yeah, surely. Yeah, hi everyone. I'm Fabian. I'm 33 years old. I'm currently living in Hamburg. And what's to say about my, my journey? Uh, I came from business administration and then jumped into data and can truly say that I found my passion in it. So I like to build, I like to experiment. And I mean, that's the essence of data. And I really, really love it. Awesome. Well, we'll we'll get a a bit of a bigger introspection in your uh, in your past, but um, um, as of today, I always like to ask people what they're trying to achieve. So it can it can be like a very deep, profound question or not. But um, what are you trying to achieve? Maybe with your work, you say that you love to build things, create, and so on. Uh, do you have like one mission at uh, like? today maybe it will change in one year but do you have something that you value more like what are you trying to achieve you mean in my data professional or do you, do you mean linkedin uh, this is a this is a like general general question about you but it can be professional data professional uh, in itself oh uh, tough question uh, what do i want <laughs> to achieve um basically it's it's all around the fun of creating something because uh, this is something I discovered in, in, the, in the last three years that I like to, to build, to create stuff with some sort of degree of freedom, some creativity in it. And I didn't expect to find this in, I would say, in the, the information technology data environment. Uh, but this is actually what I want to achieve. That gives me deep satisfaction to to code up something which works and then does something. And this is this is highly satisfying for me. And this is basically my inner motivation to do all this data stuff. Awesome. This curiosity is awesome. Like this feeling of um, uh, learning something because out of curiosity and it's just like time goes in and it's just fun and you build and you build. Uh, awesome. So um, maybe... It could be interesting to, um, you mentioned that you started as a um, uh, business administration. Can you do maybe a retrospective on how you ended up uh, in the tech field um, doing data? Yeah, it's 
somewhat longer story, but I, I will shorten it. Uh, I had simply no idea what to study. I only knew that I don't know, maybe want to study. And since my, my father and my brother, my older brother did some economics and business administration, thought this is the right way for me. And then I started this and I simply had no idea uh, when I finished my bachelor in economics. Then since I had no idea, I, I continued with uh, doing a master's degree in business administration. And then it was done and I still had no idea what to do. So uh, I tried to, to get some internships. Um, I had some, some, some interest in data coming from statistics and business, business administration. So I did some internships in market research. Uh, this was quite interesting, but didn't really fuel my creativity. Uh, so I started to experiment a bit around uh, online marketing, this ad tech stuff, then going back to market research. And yeah, this wasn't quite what I wanted. And then uh, I reflected a bit what, what I could do next. And then I threw together like the keywords, I don't know, data, numbers, statistics. Um, and then a quick Google query, uh, yeah, immediately came came up with data science. Since the last thing which sparked some interest in my market research career was working with SPSS. You probably know of this. This is yeah. a specialized uh, statistics software for market research where I had to code out some things. And this was the only thing I, I had fun with, like, like putting on my headphones, uh, zooming out for like three hours and coding stuff up. And uh, that's why I came up with, with coding, statistics, math. Yeah. And then uh, data science popped up and I researched a bit around it for like two weeks. And then uh, right after my, my Google query, there was also a Google ad about data science boot camps, which were pretty popular back in 2020. And, um, and I thought, hey, why not? Because in Germany, especially you get uh, such boot camps, you you get funded by our uh, working working department or working agencies. I don't know. When you are unemployed, you can go to a specialized agency which try to get you back into employment, and they they fund these things, which is pretty pretty neat. So for all Germans out there who want to do the same, uh, and yeah, and then I first touched the, this whole topic around data, and uh, right from the start, my my jaw dropped because it was so great. Uh, like when I first first time saw like uh, the Pandas API, probably everyone knows of it, and my, my jaw dropped because it was so great. And I used to to work in Excel and thought that I had a big proficiency in in, in crunching numbers. But when I knew get, got to know Python and all the other stuff, I knew that I simply know nothing about data crunching. And yeah, this was were my first steps. And from now, from, from that on, uh, I did the bootcamp right when Corona or COVID-19 hit. So I was unemployed for like eight months. So I had a lot of time on my hands to dive into all the topics, which I barely touched in bootcamp for like 12 weeks. Yeah, and, and so I did basically every tutorial out there and online courses and so on. And this 
yeah, really, really kickstarted my career. And then uh, I applied to my current employer and also told them, hey guys, I don't know anything. <laughs> I know a lot of things from theory and, and coding things up on my computer. Um, I really love this topic, but I still need to learn. Maybe we can come together. So in some sort of traineeship or such. And yeah, that's how I landed my trainee position at my, my current employer. And they were pretty happy with me. So we continued this. And this is where I am right now. Awesome. Thanks for the <laughs> retrospective. Um, a very interesting path. And I believe that it's uh, very interesting to see that um, the data field is not what we might expect. And there are like many subcategories into it. Uh, we always hear and talk about data engineering, data science, MLOps, ML engineer, A engineer more recently. Um, and there are also data analysts uh, and, and many roles that have like many different applications and tool stacks. So it's very interesting to see that uh, we don't need to have like a strong specific mathematic or statistic background to go into ML um, or, or in general into in data engineering. We can can really run, learn on the go and do boot camps and do tutorials and, and, uh, and understand what's required. Um, so I have maybe a question. So your current employer, um, you they hired you as a data scientist, if that's correct. Uh, but you ended up not being a data scientist uh, due to mm, the state, maybe of the data. Can you share a bit um, with us the, the like when you entered, what you expected, and what you ended up doing? Yeah, um, I'm one of these famous recovering data scientists. A lot of people. Uh, maybe heard from this, that you get hired as a data scientist, but end up uh, working a lot on the data infrastructure. Maybe it was a bit, bit, a bit use cases in it, but you're basically a data, data engineer because his business needs to have this. Um, what I can say is that my expectations were coming from bootcamp. I thought um, I get a data set, and then I get my notebook out and then I code the things up I, I learned. But this is not nearly the, the, this is not the truth at all in every company. You don't have this one data set, like you know from Kaggle also, uh, you have a lot of data, it's messy, it's unstructured, and you have, before you actually can do the, the fun parts about building machine learning models, you have to, structure it, clean it, and, and be make, make sure that it's uh, there where it needs to be at the right time and so on. This is a lot of struggle for all companies. And since this data topic is also new to a lot of companies, they think that they need to hire data scientists, where in reality, they need uh, people responsible for data infrastructure. You don't have to need to put the label data engineer or data analyst or data scientist on someone. Uh, they, I mean, I mean, everyone can can do the do the basics which are needed for business to get control of the data, and this mm. is so. My my expectations were far away from reality. I would, mm. I would say. And so you've been growing more in a data engineer role so far. Um, do you have some main lessons that you've learned? Maybe frameworks, but lessons like experiences like facing data. Uh, in um, 
in when you arrived like how do you go about all right i want my little data set from kaggle to do something things but like how do i get to this like do you have some insights for us yeah um i mean when i learned all this stuff i thought it's important to have knowledge about all the tools which i use have, have a lot of knowledge about coding and stuff and but but as i said this is far from reality because mm -hmm. most of the time i talk to people i try to understand the problem and i try to to build uh, to apply concepts on on things mm -hmm. so the overall building and using a tool and coding, this is the fun stuff, which only takes around 20% of my time. Um, what I learned is to, to have a clear problem and to have your data and then apply all you know on it. But in reality, you have to start with the problem and with the, I don't know, someone who, who talks about you and says, I have this problem, how can we solve it? You have to start on, on, on this side and then work your way back and think about how can I use all these technical solutions I have to True. solve this problem. And to and, and to, to get a clear definition of a problem, this is not like, like a Kaggle competition where you say, uh, spot the fake news or cluster the customers. Um, people from, from the business side have very specific problems and uh, it's hard for them to frame this into a technical solution. I mean, it's obviously not the job. So basically, if you're a customer-facing data professional, it doesn't matter if you're an engineer, analyst, or scientist, the hard part is to translate such a problem into, into a technical solution you, you can build. I mean, from there on, from, from, from if you have an idea about a solution all around this, then it's easy. Then you build up, you set, you get your headphones on and then you, you go into the, your, your coding cave and come up eight, eight hours later with a solution. But, but having an idea about how you can build a solution, this is, this is the, the real hard part because obviously business people don't have this technical expertise you have. And this is somewhat easier for me because uh, coming from my background, I sat at both sides of the table. So I came from the business side and now how hard is for you to explain the techie what you need? Because you say, yeah, it's obvious. I mean, I, I, I need to have the sales numbers in, in, my, in my dashboard, but how, how do they need to be aggregated? How do they need to be displayed? And, and I mean, there's so much questions if you're coming from the technical side and for a business person, it's easy to say, yeah. Of course, I need my I need my sales numbers, but what else is there to, to not get? So this is this is the the I don't know this, this hurdle between uh, tech and business side. Hmm, that's very interesting. Uh, and sometimes, most of the times, business are not sure of what they want. <laughs> and so, in that case, I believe that what works best for me so far is I try to reverse engineer what they're trying to do. So I go about, um, okay, well, your objective is to make money, <laughs> to, to shorten it. Or maybe you're in this department, so you might have this or this as objectives. And maybe labeling what I think is true about them in front of them can be interesting to uh, get a glimpse of what they're really trying to achieve. And maybe I can capture some more concrete ideas so that I can then afterwards um, 
build something that will be useful to them. Uh, do you have tips about communicating with business and understanding better so that you can provide the best solution? Yeah, I, I used two magical tricks, I call them. Um, the first one, you, you explained it very well, is to uh, just drop the sentence, uh, share your screen and show me what you're trying to do. Because I, in 99% of cases, I see an Excel file where they drag around, uh, I don't know, numbers and tell me this has to be there. And uh, and this helps me to understand what they want to achieve. And the second great thing about this is I can think of, uh, I mean, they, they obviously don't know what is possible and what is not. So I can think about, hey, in the end, they want to achieve this and they do it with process step A, B, C. Maybe I can think about, hey, why not cut process step B and do the machine automatically do C so that they don't have to, to do all this stuff. So yeah, I have a good example. Uh, someone wanted to have the Excel report sent to, sent to them on the, I don't know, daily basis, weekly basis. And I thought, hey, why? You're looking for a specific number in, in, your, in your Excel file. And if it's good, then you do A. If it's bad, then you do B. And if it's C, then you do nothing. So I thought maybe you, you just get an email each day telling you the number is B. You're fine for today or something like that. And this, this cuts time for them. And I can think about how a machine, how my technical expertise can save some time, solve some problem. And because uh, it's the first one, so just share a screen and this this. This opens up so many discussion possibilities. And B is when I think about a solution or I uh, come back to them with, with a plan where I say, hey, let's do this. I open up uh, a Scribble software solution like, uh, you know, probably Excalidraw, but you can use Miro, uh, what's out there. There's so many solutions where you can drag little boxes and write something. And so it, has, it, has, it doesn't have to be beautiful. You can even use PowerPoint, so whatever. Uh, and then I show them, I do this, and then it goes to, to there, and this is how it helps you. And if they say, OK, I understand what you're doing, uh, but let's do it that way, and this has to be done. So I have a visual representation of our, I don't know, high-level system, which helps them. And both combined really helps to A, understand the problem, and B, show them how we are solving it together. And uh, if we both agree on, on both things, then we speak the same same language. Of course, we have to do more iterations. I show them this, this is what I've done. And they say, yeah, fine, but do it a bit, bit different. But this is how I most often come to a conclusion. And I can't highlight this enough, this screen sharing from others and just asking questions is people want to talk about the problem. People, it's not like they, they don't want to talk to you, but uh, in my experience, both sides hide behind their technical jargon. Like we drop our, all our fancy tech stuff like databases and machine learning model and the business side is totally frightened by that. So they try to hide behind their, I don't know, sales KPIs or behind a specific business jargon. And so both sides are kind of insecure about what they do or what the other thing. So they hide behind their language. And if, for, for me, 
works really well to to play a dumb person. So basically, I ask everything. So what is the KPI? What is this? What is what is the sales number? And people are, I mean, the business side is also very passionate most often about what they do, and they like to talk to you, and they like to explain. And so this is this is the best approach to to get to know the problem. Hmm. Yeah, and you said something that uh, uh, I think is very valuable. Um, adding to the sharing screen and labeling them, it's like a drawing or yeah, drawing in a high level way. And I think that it's important the high level way, so that it is a like a concept that we can look at and see. Okay, this is what happens. Whatever happens behind, like we want, <laughs> we don't want to see like the getaways and look. The, <laughs> we don't want to see like the very tiny details of the architecture, but like the the big solutions maybe maybe it can be used to understand better how a kpi is being calculated and understand if like uh, the the new code that i did uh, does it well or maybe it's like the solution and how you are going to consume and does that work with you awesome uh, makes I mean, a lot of if i might interrupt it's, it's the same uh, i i have no idea about cars and if my car is, is broken I go to to a mechanic and he tells me, "Yeah, your your motor is is broken. I don't know. You we we have to refill oil. You have a flat tire, and that's fine for me. I I don't I have no idea what he's doing with my motor or how he's he's repairing the oil engine. All I caring about is that my car is running again. And so I I'm not asking questions. If mm. he if he explains to me what the issue was or how we get to to a solution." I'm fine. That's, that's, yeah, great. Do it. <laughs> I will be happy once my, my car is uh, running again. Awesome. Um, I think it would be very interesting to get more into details of some things. So could you maybe share with us uh, an end-to-end thing? It doesn't have to be with your company, maybe a side project or something, uh, or if it is in your company, um, better. But would you be able to share with us an end-to-end of... Uh, you receive or maybe identify a problem and you go about building a solution and uh, sharing a bit the process. Yeah, um, I have a great example of a personal thing I built because I had the pain. So basically why you also start on the business side, I had the pain that uh, I read a lot of uh, literature on my uh, Kindle ebook reader and uh, I did a lot of uh, comments and markings and uh, I mean sometime I need to to uh, bring them to action I mean what's the point if I do a lot of markings and don't use them and the only export option is into a pretty pretty uh, ugly text file and then I thought Okay, maybe I, I, I got like a thousand markings. How can I possibly even even summarize them? I mean, this would be a full day of uh, summarizing my, my markings. And then I thought, hey, maybe I can do let AI do this for me. And so I thought about a solution. How can I bring some structure in this ugly output? And how can I provide this to an AI? to automatically summarize this. So this, yeah, I, I was pretty, pretty, uh, pretty hyped about this because I, I got to be a lot of creative. 
And uh, so what I basically did, I you, you can you can send these markings from your Kindle to your email address. And from then I uh, ingested with the Python script. So nothing fancy, just remove lines and uh, paste or pass these text files into a structured way. And then simply send uh, my markings, which can be sometimes not a whole page, but I will like say like, like 15 sentences. Mm -hmm. I send it to an AI. Maybe yeah, I use the OpenAI with the API key. And then say, please uh, summarize this into maximum two sentences and then paste it back. So maybe I probably lose like 1% of information there, but I save, uh, I would say if we talk about thousand markings, I save around eight hours. Mm. Uh, which is my free time. So uh, it's just, mm. it's a pretty good use case for me, mm. <laughs> a re return on investment, I would say. And and so this is, this is something you can also apply to your, to business use cases. If you find a pain and, and can solve this with uh, minimal resources, then you, you have a good use case. Mm. And that's awesome to be able to, to, uh, first of all, to win this time. Secondly, to be able to retrieve your notes. I believe the next steps for your application is um, you want to store everything in a vector database and and then like through time, everything is being added, all your notes, all your lessons. And when you're thinking about a specific topic, you just consult your vector database and you retrieve the first five tops. And then you have a mix of all your notes in one sentence based on what you're looking for that's awesome all in the backlog already yeah wow <laughs> awesome but, yeah but i have to have to step back a bit because this is in my free time and uh, i, I can't <laughs> make a full-time job out of it not yet not yet <laughs> i see i see um so i would like to ask you about the importance well first to emphasize that a tech stack is not what's the most important so maybe we'll uh, we'll be able to discuss that, but I would also like to ask you about uh, Google, uh, Google tech stack that you've been playing around with uh, for some time because I'm more familiar with Azure and, and AWS. So so can you maybe share with us first of all, um, like how it is not the most important to choose the, the, the like. Azure, AWS, Google, and so on. But secondly, to share an architecture, something that you've built, or how would you go about building this uh, tech, tech stack in Google? Yeah. Um, yeah, to start with, um, I have the most experience in, in a Google Cloud Platform, but I also seen AWS and Azure. And what I can say, I mean, there, there are also so many comparisons. If you, if you just Google AWS versus Azure versus GCP, basically every big cloud provider has the same tools and functionalities. So they, they I mean, if, if you look for serverless functions in AWS, they are called Lambda. Uh, Azure, I don't know, but in GCP, they are called cloud functions. So just, just to give an example, every functionality is already present in the other cloud provider. I mean, they, they, they can't simply afford to not have a specific functionality if the others don't have it, uh, if the others have it. So basically in the core, they are all the same. They use the same technology in the backend, I guess. And 
yeah, it's so it, it's a matter of flavor and uh, what you're used to, basically. So I'm used to Google Cloud uh, because my employer is is using uh, well was using it for a use case. So that's what I I would say that's what I grew up with. So um, so I'm pretty familiar with it. Um, but I don't think that the, the the switch to other cloud providers is that of a big deal because what's important is to understand the concept around all the tools. So what is a storage solution? What is a data warehouse? What is a serverless function? What is, I don't know, a container registry? If you understand the concept and how you, or what you should provide to these tools, then it's nearly irrelevant which cloud provider you use. And uh, yeah, so to give you an example, what uh, I often build in, in GCP is that coming from a data engineering perspective, um, I try to utilize the different storage options, which for example, Google Cloud uh, yields. You can, you can have a data-like structure if you just use these bucket storage solutions where you can dump all your kind of data. And then from there on, use uh, different data pre-processing or processing tools, like for example, Google Cloud offers data procs, this is Spark clusters, where you can use data flow, this is uh, Beam in the background, or you can use serverless cloud function where you use, for example, Polars or Pandas to process your data and then automatically push it for example, into your data warehouse, which is BigQuery. And all the three components you can find in AWS and Azure, they all they only have a different name. So, um, and this is this is kind of the structure where you go from a data lake structure, process it and push it into a structured uh, area. And then you have a lot of uh, machine learning frameworks you can use there where you can, can put uh, dashboards on top so every every solution, every cloud provider has their own solutions, but in the core, it's the same. So mm. my advice, so, so there's a big debate about which cloud provider should I learn. Pick the one you like, and then learn the core concepts around it. So that it's basic. I I mean it's 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 a bonus if some 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 employer says a proficiency in AWS is great. But if you go to them and say, hey, I'm super familiar with GCP, they say, yeah. I mean, great. If, even what, what's what's new trend? All the other cloud providers, they try to to, to function uh, together. So it's very easy to to shift data from from GCP to AWS to Azure and vice versa. So they try to work together to make the switch more easy. So yeah, and you can you can build pretty much anything on top of each cloud mm -hmm. provider. And that the rig sits in the middle. Yeah. <laughs> too, too powerful. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> that the rig is like uh, I'm friend with everyone. Um, Snowflake too. Um, awesome. So, I think. Okay. And do you? Okay. You, you discuss data visualization. Maybe just the questions, but um, I have never used. Uh, uh, I have a lot of ads running uh, <laughs> that are targeting me with BigQuery. And so it appears that in BigQuery, you can visualize a lot of things. Um, but uh, if I understand correctly of what you shared, BigQuery is a data warehouse of the um, 
um, or is it the data lake? No, it's it's a data warehouse. It's like right. Red, Redshift, I guess, is the equivalent. And, and so, okay, yeah, okay, okay. Okay, and so they have BI tools on top of it directly, right? And not directly. You can, for example, in GCP, you can have Looker, which mm. is a paid solution. Mm. So you, you pay as you go. Or you can have Looker Studio, which is formerly Data Studio. This mm. is free, and you can uh, put it on top. So basically, you, you open it up, you can create your charts and so on, and then you can say, please use this backing data source, then you can select Google Sheets, BigQuery, whatever you like. Hmm. But but BigQuery doesn't directly, uh, to my knowledge, uh, provide visualization. But you no. can put you can put everything on top, like Tableau, even Power BI, Looker Studio, Superset, whatever mm -hmm. you like. Mm -hmm. I've heard uh, I've heard Looker, but you're right. I uh, just wanted to make sure. Uh, um, I would uh, <laughs> uh, asking you was faster. Um, awesome. So you mentioned we have a good idea of a stack. We understand that uh, a stack is not in the end what's the most important thing. I would like to go back to the use cases and to adding value, uh, defining good metrics to add value and so on. Um, so my first question is: You write a lot on LinkedIn about use cases. Um, how do you come up with uh, ideas about use cases, first of all? Um, <laughs> two main things. Uh, I, I mentioned that I was unemployed for eight months and my brain exploded right after my bootcamp out of creativity, curiosity. So I, yeah, it, I searched for use cases in different industries from different people on LinkedIn. And so I collected ideas for eight months and this piled up really. This is was this was also my motivation to to do this kind of uh, posting. So, so for all the other people not familiar with uh, every Friday I do uh, like a like a portfolio project idea where I uh, share a data set and some uh, some tasks you can you can perform on it to learn to showcase what you can do. And and I divide it into data engineering tasks, analytics, uh, analysis uh, tasks, and some data science tasks. And yeah, this came be because I piled up so many ideas, which I all wanted to do in my free time, which is absolutely impossible. So I said, hey, <laughs> why not uh, recycle or use this uh, for, for content? And uh, yeah, people seem to like it. Um, and uh, yeah, that's what I do each Friday on, on LinkedIn. And uh, still, I got lots, lot in the backlog because um, after I did my bootcamp, I I, be, I I feel like Neo in the in the Matrix movie where he begins to see this whole world in zeros and ones. And uh, right after my bootcamp, I began to understand to to look at the world in in a data manner. So I I can stop talking about it, and I I almost see everywhere use case this can be improved with data and, and this can be researched and I mean even I, I, I wear a fitness tracker and this is also this gathers or collects data all day and you can you can I mean our world is, is described by data and you can make so much of it out of it and uh, that's why I got so many ideas it, it far away from industries it's there's so many so much data around us nearly every second. I mean, 
my, my favorite use case was to come up to analyze your WhatsApp group chats because you, you, you I mean, not everyone is aware of this, but writing me messages and sending images on a specific day, on a specific time, this is so much information you can, you can use and give it to a machine to, to, to learn with it, or so, which obviously is meta doing, but uh, yeah. That's why I come up with so many ideas because I, I yeah, I feel like Neo uh, looking behind the curtains and seeing mm -hmm. everything in, in data. I believe that data comes back to like the beginning of like when the uh, sapiens, when, when the humankind started to like build communities and like they had like, they started the agriculture thing and they had to know like, okay, this is my home or I'm giving you this for 30 years or I'm doing this. And so they, they, they were putting things on, I don't know the English word. I think it was clay, maybe clay. Yeah. And there was, there was writing on it. And then this is, was the beginning of data management. And it was horrible because if it rained, then the clay was like disappeared yeah. and then it wasn't yours or you didn't have the proofs that five years ago, something happened. And so this is how like through time we've been evolving or data management thing. <laughs> and before, before we have everything in computers and servers and databases, like we had uh, like physical storage where we, we put it uh, clay and then papers. Yeah. And uh, I mean, there are many things in between, uh, but I feel that it's fascinating because it has been there for so long. And I believe that this is uh, uh, what differentiates uh, a lot uh, the sapiens. This is direct reference to, uh, to to the book because it explains it very well. But data in history plays a huge part since the beginning, like being able to collaborate as this scale of uh, human level uh, would not be able if uh, we didn't have data. Uh, and many more things uh, referring to um, closing this parenthesis to uh, to. Um, to uh, the this book and the the history, but um, I mean, except if you want to add something about this. <laughs> so, not that that uh, I did this kind of little retrospective. M my question would be for you. Um, well, first of all, do you have some examples of uh, like use cases top of mind that maybe you've shared uh, that are fun? Uh, and then I would like to ask you a bit about some metrics. And you mean from from a personal project? Uh, uh, yeah, like all the the ideas that you share on Fridays. Um, like, do you have some example of that that you shared recently, maybe? Yeah, um, I really talked talked about this WhatsApp group chat, which I really really like because there's so much information you can you can export. Uh, if if you if you go on the uh, three dots on the right and export your your chat history. There's a lot of information captured, and you can explore it uh, from the text side. You can explore, you can make a time series problem out of it, where you explore different days and, and times, and uh, you can make a descriptive analytics because you have several categories like who posted, what, how many stuff, and uh, when when did when did they post. So this is, I would say, from my perspective, my my favorite topic but what always works best is with uh brands and things people know 
for example, I did some something on Spotify, which I also really like because I, I really love uh, listening to music. And there's also so much to explore, or like Lord of the Rings or Netflix. This this these were pretty pretty uh, successful in terms of engagement. Um, yeah. Hmm. And all of these are on your repos also. Like you share them yeah. on GitHub too. Awesome. Uh, no, 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 no. <laughs> I, I, I don't have them on GitHub. Uh, I use Notion for that because oh. um, what I provide is uh, so like, like a PDF with all the tasks, tasks in it, linked to data set, and then some some tutorials because I simply don't have the time to do them. So, so some people ask me, do you all these projects? I, I, I can't. I can't do, do such a project every every week. That's what we're mm. saying. Uh, so, so I only have the idea. And let people explore on their own. And uh, so I, sh I have a public Notion space where you can access. It's right on, on my LinkedIn profile, and then you can download everything you need from, mm. from there. And do you have some use cases that you have been able to work on that you really enjoyed? Because you have so many ideas, so it comes um, like, which one will you choose for yourself? Which one will you give to others? Yeah. So you, you shared with us the example of the Kindle, but how do you go about choosing the ones you will work on? And do you have some examples in the past of side projects that you really like to do? Yes, this is an easy one because uh, choose the data you're most interested in. You have a personal relation to. For me, this is especially uh, music, video games, because I know the data even without looking at it, because I, I have a personal interesting, or maybe maybe football data. So European football, not American, to be clear. Uh, and this is this is data I know I know by heart basically. So I, I don't need any more explanation to the columns or what this data means because I I know it uh, since I grew up. Um, what I'm currently working on is on uh, Spotify music data. Um, I'm a big fan of hardstyle music, and um, there's not much analytical coverage, I would say, about this, this genre of music. And so I'm trying to build, uh, I, my, my, my current working name is uh, Hardstyle Monitor, where I show which are the, the most listened artists right now. I mean, Spotify provides this in a very, very basic manner, but I try to build a whole ecosystem around this. And uh, and and I really like it because it has all these parts. You need to do a lot of engineering. How do I extract the data? When and where? And how do I store it? How do I handle duplicates in the data? Because maybe when I get data from a public playlist, uh, if the the uh, same actor is listed twice, or I don't know, and then I can do a lot of analytical stuff on it, like which are the most listened actors, which is the most famous song and so on, and then visualize it with a, with a tool. And then um, I'm not sure what kind of, if, if there's even a need to do some machine learning or even let AI do, do some stuff on it. Um, I'm currently thinking about analyzing lyrics, which I guess Spotify also provides. Uh, this would be great to, to let an AI rewrite songs or let it let it uh, spot which actor uh, which actor uh, which which uh, artist so which mm. artist 
is this most probably coming from the lyrics? I have some some things in, in mind, and this is what I'm currently listening and working on. Because yeah. this is personal, this is data I personally connect to. Sure. This makes it easy for me to, to work on. This is also my advice for for everyone thinking about a, a portfolio project, choose data you have a personal interest in. Because you yeah. understand the data and this also gets you an extra layer of motivation to work on it. Because if I if I would have to meet on, I don't know, credit default loan data, I wouldn't have that much motivation because for me, this is boring. For us, for us it's highly interesting. So mm -hmm. choose, choose data you, you have a connection to. Awesome. I was you sharing uh, all the things you can do with Spotify. Um, if we look into one gender, I, I believe that one in particular application and goal that is interesting is uh, what makes in this specific gender a music successful yeah. with all the metrics. And so we can, of course, calculate like the views, the, I don't know, frequencies of the artist publishing songs. We can calculate um, like uh, the lyrics, like you mentioned. And some things that I believe can be very interesting too is like, uh, for example, the ratio between like how they are structured, like how do you detect that this is a chorus, this is a verse one, this is, and look, so the architecture of the musics, mm. then the percentage of music and uh, lyrics. And like, so if you push there, you might have some interesting data that can allow you to clusterize or classify uh, the musics, um, and uh, it could be uh, it could be interesting to to see in a specific gender uh, this kind of clusterization or classification. Um, yeah, great, great advice. Because uh, from my experience, uh, this genre, a lot of tracks are built up different than than a classical pop song. I would guess because pop songs start slowly, and most of these these hard electronic music starts with a with a bang. I would say. Then mm. slows down a bit and then then comes back up again and yeah mm. pretty interesting too yeah oh, and question yes yeah, sorry I, I forgot the most important part about such a portfolio project and you mentioned it it's you, you have you have to have a goal because uh, I mean you want to showcase your your skills but you also have to showcase that you can you can do all of the stuff with a clear goal in mind I mean you can't uh, if 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 you if your research question is what makes a song uh, successful? This is a great question to, to analyze. If, if I just show uh, I can extract the data and analyze it, this is not enough. So yes, you have mm. to have your goal in mind. Makes sense. And it also implicitly relate to what you said before, um, which is you don't start by building the entire architecture of something. You like have a use case. And so you take the pieces that will meet the requirements to um, to achieve and deliver um, for a specific problem and then the architecture grow because we can take in mind that we, we might need this in the future and so on but yeah this is a this is a good point um, out of curiosity do you know if you can access to the audio files when you request to, to Spotify if you have a, a developer account or something like to have access to the to the WAV file uh, or mp3 file that I'm not sure of. I mean, you can, you can what what you can do is download this this stuff to your computer, but I'm not sure if you 
can extract this via the API. Hmm. Worth investigating. But this hmm. is this is a sub sub niche. I would say this is an audio analytics. I didn't dig into because uh, this is whole whole other uh, direction. I'm sure that the scientists in Spotify are already on this, <laughs> yeah. and they yeah, have yeah, all yeah. the they have all the informations uh, yeah. that we need. Uh, they're doing consulting in the music industry afterwards with like great insights, uh, and they will build model that will be able to generate music structures that are optimized for um, clicks. Yeah, wild. Um, you have quite an interesting journey on LinkedIn. Uh, maybe. Can you share how like how you started posting on LinkedIn? Why and what do you get from it? Yeah, yeah, this is a question I'm asking myself repeatedly because <laughs> creating content is is quite time consuming. And uh, when I'm at my lowest, I ask myself, why am I doing this? And then mm. I remind myself uh, because I, I started because uh, I read a lot of posts from Justin Welch. I guess everyone knows him. It's a LinkedIn LinkedIn legend, um, and he. I don't know. He. I don't know if evoking is the right word, but somehow by reading his, his post, I got the impression that I need to start immediately, or otherwise I'm I'm missing out big time. Um, this is kind of true because uh, I got so many things back from being active on here. Like for example, this this podcast we wouldn't would have never met if if you didn't saw my content, and uh, but for me, what what really uh, is is uh, rewarding is meeting people like you to widening my horizon. I mean, I, I I learned so much from this platform simply by by reading one or two posts a day from from seasoned experts, from from like pe people are posting here which have a zero in tech somewhere and they post about strategy just a tiny bit but this is i, I take away so much from that and i i really learned from this platform because you can create your own uh, bubble of experts who uh, post so much great stuff on a daily basis and you can connect to people you wouldn't have connected if you if you didn't post and what it also does for me is um I mean, everyone got got the imposter syndrome to some degree, I guess. Uh, I got it big time. And uh, so before I say anything on LinkedIn, I have to research it and reflect on it because I don't want someone calling me out, which actually never happened. But, uh, calling me out, yeah, you, you're writing complete nonsense. Uh, you're fake. Uh, so uh, this is this is a small fear I have, which which was way. Uh, bigger when I started, um, but so, so I need to reflect on what I write, and I need to reflect about what I want to write, and this also helps me to position myself into into some kind of expertise or specialized fields. Because I I noticed, do I want to write about coding? Do I want to write about machine learning? This didn't cut quite. Uh, my interest, and so I noticed what I'm interested in right now is, is like this engineering side, building a system to leverage AI in specific use cases. And this is something I like to talk about, and posting on LinkedIn helped me to to find this special expertise I'm really interested in. Hmm. And uh, yeah, I mean, 
and likes and comments play a role in, in your perceived, I don't know, value you have on this platform. But in the end, this doesn't really matter because it's the connections you make. I, I mean, this sounds really cheesy, but, but there's a lot of truth in it because uh, like I mentioned, I met so many great people on here. I, I even met, met up with someone uh, uh, in, in person here in Hamburg where I'm living. And I wouldn't even got to know him if, if I weren't active on LinkedIn. And we talked for like two hours about data and stuff. And this was incredible. And yeah, this is a real value from, from such a social media network. Totally. Makes sense. And, and it's amazing, like you said, how much you can learn, how much you can get to know very talented people um get to have frameworks to approach what i'm doing on a daily basis let's say i entered my company in a specific time and i just take as a reference my manager or whoever is uh, um, on top of me uh, then i would be i would be very limited in terms of if i really appreciate this person and the learning then it's great if not, then it's bad. And if it's in between, then, mm. but what, like, how do I compare this? Like, what is my evaluation metrics to, to um, what are my evaluations metrics to, to know that uh, this is really what I want. This is really what I'm good at. This is really uh, what generates not necessarily passion, but like curiosity out of me. Um, and, uh, and uh, how do I want to specialize? And I believe that having this curiosity drive is very powerful. And most of the time we might not have it because we haven't seen something that can spark into us or that can be like, oh, right, this person is uh, really something that I believed was not possible, but uh, it appears that there are a lot to learn over there. Uh, and... And I might take this direction for like a few time, like three years, and then I'll pivot and I'll have some reference people uh, and I will share what I learned. I will share the journey. And I believe that this is why people enter in Kaggle competitions a uh, lot of the time. It's just like public code. Maybe people will comment on your code. You will learn from your errors. You will get very good at manipulating data. And I believe that in this overall process, uh, it really doesn't matter if no one likes or comments anything because if we are like mm, meticulous in like being consistent in doing things, if we put like two years jump time, it will definitely have value after two years because we've been around, we've played or I mean, if we don't, because we can not progress at all and not learn and just like post the same post, but that doesn't make any sense, of course. But if I, I, I like keep, yes, yeah, sorry. Yeah, sorry, sorry, continue. No, no, no. What, what was <laughs> I about to say? Uh, I often compare to being a technical diary or, or your your um, your professional diary because I mean, if you write a personal diary, it's scientifically proven that uh, this this. Uh, enhances your 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 mental health or it's it's good for your mental health and the same applies to writing on on linkedin or a technical blog somewhere it's it's like a like a real boost for your 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 professional growth like it's for your personal growth if you write a normal diary and mm. i met so so many i saw so many people on linkedin where you, you mentioned it earlier where i thought 
hey, this person is doing what I would like to do. Maybe, maybe with a bit of variation in it, but this person is, is living my dream and uh, I wouldn't even got the idea about what is my dream if I didn't uh, follow these, these persons and, and listen on, and read what they are writing. Hmm. And to take another path, maybe I, I don't care about anyone on the platform, but I want to make myself accountable. And so I will engage in public sharing so that I will force myself to doing things. <laughs> and I believe that there are so many things to do. Like we can write blogs, we can write content, we can summarize concepts that we've learned. We can go and code live. Like this is awesome to just, just code live. Maybe no one will watch, but you just like put on the camera, code for a specific amount of time, close the camera. And on that's, Twitch. yeah, or on Twitch or you do it on YouTube. And uh, that's, it's just like going to the gym in the end or like writing a diary. So I believe that the most important is not necessarily like which one of these things one can do, but it's about like choosing one that suits my curiosity uh, at this moment. And that I feel like I want to push forward in that direction and that just commit. And yeah. this is a very interesting part because then like through time, after three weeks, like you said, why am I doing this? Like no yeah. one is watching it. But if you compare your starting point and what you're doing three weeks after or two months after, you can clearly see like that something changed and like your vision around it changed because, but it doesn't change from a day to another. So a lot of the time we're yeah. like, we don't see these big growth compounding yeah. effects. <laughs> yeah, Coming but, back but, to, yes. But, but public committing to something, it, it makes you, I don't know, some kind of invincible to, to anything. You get, by, by posting on LinkedIn, I feel so more confident than, than one year before, before I started. And people also perceive me as some kind of expert. I would say, well, I have no idea about anything I'm doing. But uh, people perceive me as someone who, who is credible, who is uh, capable of, of doing what he's writing about. And I would, of course, agree that I'm capable of what I'm doing. Um, I'm no scam here. But um, yes, yeah, if, if you publicly commit to something and then do it, it makes you invincible to, to anything because you're publicly, uh, you're, you're putting yourself out and this, this makes you so confident about anything you do. Totally. Nava Ravikant says something that, uh, uh, well, uh, in um, like his uh, tweet threads, he, he discussed at some point about uh, like making yourself accountable. So like take risks, but those risks are the one that can be rewarded. So if you fail, okay, you will fail publicly. That, <laughs> that won't kill me. And uh, but if you succeed, your name is on your name is there. And so uh, I believe that this is very important, and it gives a lot more confidence to like allow myself to fail, because if I go to the gym first time, nothing <laughs> will happen. And if yeah. I go the next day, either, and the next month, either. But after some time, it's when you really see everything moving and changing. And so I believe that this is a very mental exercise to like, just put myself out there and embrace like what's, what like the friction of like the fear, what, what are they going to say? Are they going to, and again, we're talking about putting things on LinkedIn or anything that we could do, but I believe that the, the idea behind what we're trying to communicate is like, put yourself accountable 
find some things that generate curiosity and find a framework so that you will repeat it frequently and so that you can see on the bigger picture uh, improvements. Uh, I believe that those are uh, key things that I personally try to implement. Uh, let's see. Let's see in a, let's see in a few months, in a few years. Yeah. Uh, how, how does that go? <laughs> does that, um, Fabian, do you have do you have tips uh, maybe for people who are starting their journey? Uh, you did a bootcamp uh, that helped you a lot. Do you have tips for p anyone entering the field right now? Yeah, um, you just had this this great gym analogy. I also use use a lot. Because my advice is uh, you don't need a bootcamp. You don't need any external help because uh, what I learned, well, this was my biggest learning from the bootcamp. If you want to do it or if you want to learn it or if you want to do anything, you can do it. Because, I mean, difficult data concepts such as LLMs, machine learning, Data in general, this is a, this really intimidating once you start doing it or once you start approaching it. Uh, same as going to the gym, it's just really intimidating. All the buff guys, all the super, super buff girls also. And you, you feel so inadequate. But when you start doing it, like for two, like, like this, the second or third time you go to the gym, it gets less intimidating with every step you make. And, and so everyone can do it. I mean, 99% of people can't understand such hard data topics in one day or one week, and so neither do I. Um, but if you go into the gym learning the language, if you learn to cook, learn an instrument, you have to start with the basics and then work your way up consistently, like you said, with small steps. And after some times, you won't, you won't uh, notice this, but you, you will have some, some times where you say, wow. And you look back and reflect and say, wow, I learned so much. And you didn't even notice it. So if you're in the gym, one day you can do like 20 pull-ups. And you say, wow, when, when did I uh, manage to do that? And uh, this doesn't come overnight. But if you consistently put in small steps, then it's 100% for sure that you that we reach the point you want to. And uh, my advice is um, all the basics, all the concepts are out there for free on the internet. You don't need a bootcamp for that. You don't need to have specific courses. I mean, if you if you look for a data science course, they are like 100,000 courses. My advice is pick one, stick to it, and uh, yeah, do it, do it till the end, and then write down what questions do you have. I mean, it's all about guidelines, what should I learn? Where should I look for it? And if you pick one large course on YouTube, buy one for, I don't know, $10 on Udemy um, when it's on sale and then stick to it. And then you have a clear guideline what's important. I mean, you can even go on LinkedIn and follow like 20 people who provide a great learning journey for you. But, or you can you can apply to newsletters. There's so many free stuff out there and you, you don't need to pay for it. I mean. A bootcamp is definitely an easy way because you get a bit more structure around all of it and you get a bit more guidelines, but you can get also to completely get this for free on any somewhat bigger tutorial. And then my second advice after you got your, your feet wet, you get the basics, then do a project. <laughs> like uh, I have plenty, uh, but there are also great other great uh, 
projects out there because the most you learn from from real uh, challenges because not when you do a, a course then it's a very isolated lab kind of environment where everything is fine and great uh choose a real challenge and uh, struggle with it because that's where you learn the most to overcome a real struggle because then you have to learn it i mean it's okay to to sit on this on a very to con when i had my, my first challenge was to convert a pandas column to another type i sat there for two hours it, it, insane but uh after that i knew how to convert it to any format or to I, I knew 100 ways which did work, but I learned the, the one way which worked. So, and this is also what sets apart juniors from seniors. They aren't better coders. They aren't better at concepts. Um, they have seen more ways on how things don't work. And they immediately know how things will work. And so they are way faster and more experienced. And this is, I mean, a lot of people roast me for this, but in my opinion, this is, this is the most uh, recent differentiator between junior and senior. My experience. Yes. And yeah, I, I love this. And I think that one mistake, if I might add uh, one thing that uh, appeared to me is uh, when we compare ourselves, like this is uh, such um, a very bad way to impact my productivity because the same way when I enter the gym, I won't look as strong as um, the guy who's been going to the gym for 10 years. But neither do I want to look like that now because maybe one of my goals is to be very, very fit and very healthy. And so maybe I'll put in the work and maybe at some point, well, all this work will end up in me. All right, so I'm starting to feel very in shape and maybe I want to uh, eat a bit more of protein and, I'll, and, and maybe I'll go on this path. But as of today, I don't want to be um, a principal data scientist uh, if, I, if I need. like. So I believe that choosing metrics of improvements compared to other is wrong. And I believe that the only metrics of improvements that we should use is against ourselves. And like to see yeah. the, the growth, I was there at this time I'm here today and then compare on that and the learning curve yeah. the, per, the growth rate is uh, I believe the, the best metric that one can use because because then it's compounding effect it's putting the reps it's putting the time and so and enjoying the process uh, yeah. this, this sounds like a great, great quote great quote for that uh, everyone is running their own race because this is so great for me, it's helped me so many times. Because if I imagine I run with all the other 100,000 data professionals around uh, the stadium, wow. I'm running in my own pace. And if I want to sit down or if I want to run faster, then I could do it. But it doesn't matter how the others are running. And yeah, th this really takes away the pressure. Mm. And I take my time. I, I'm an individual like others. I maybe learn faster than others. Others learn faster than me. I have a different learning approach than others. So yeah, just focus on yourself and the best benchmark is uh, yourself from yesterday. That's also a cheesy quote, yeah. but, uh, but like you said, this is, this is a great benchmark to, to, uh, to notice your progress. When I yeah. look at my, my first GitHub uh, notebooks, I cringe so hard because it's so, so bad. I, like I printed like whole, whole uh, data frames out and so it's, it's really bad, but when I look at it and say, wow, I improved so much. This is a great, 
great way to notice your progress. Yeah, amazing. Um, so, uh, I mean, we could we could go on on this topic, uh, but uh, I recommend people to check out your, um, your your LinkedIn. Like when they're at the point where they need to put some reps in and they need to do like real projects, uh, please check um, out Fabian's LinkedIn. Do you have uh, where can people reach out or know more about you? So you have LinkedIn. Do you have other platforms or or like what do you have going on? And not yet. Um, <laughs> one one platform at a time. Maybe maybe next year X will come together. Maybe well, next year I will start with me writing Medium articles. I guess uh, I'm ninety percent sure, ninety nine percent sure that I will start with Medium. Um, but right now you have write... like all for um, so next year <laughs> Medium articles coming. Uh, the, it have been announced. But like on LinkedIn, for example, you have this Friday. Where you release, uh, where you release like projects, so like people can do it. Do, do you have more things going like that? Like, how do you uh, do? You have more sharings, or is it like mainly like people take you out on Fridays, or they can reach out on LinkedIn? Yeah, yeah, of course. You can you can reach me via LinkedIn. Uh, my in the inbox is always free for all curious people. So if you have questions regarding project, or if, if you did a project I proposed and uh, maybe share it on LinkedIn, feel free to tag me and uh, I will be happy to give you feedback on this. Yeah. Amazing. Uh, so my last question, and I want, to, I want to thank you a lot for coming on the show and sharing about your journey, uh, very interesting background, uh, providing a lot of value on LinkedIn. Um, Do you have a last message for the Let's Talk AI community? Um, after everything we said, <laughs> like, do you have maybe one conclusion or one thing that you want to add to the discussion? It can be professional, personal, anything. Um, maybe it's a summary of, of uh, our discussion about what you can do. So mm -hmm. basically, if you can imagine yourself doing it, then you can do it. Because it's all a matter of choice do i want to do it or do i not want to do it if you make the choice in your head i want to commit to do it i want to commit to learn this then you it's like psychological then, then you will do it for sure hmm. awesome well thanks a lot fabian and i wish you to have a wonderful day Thank you for the invitation, Thomas. It was great. And I have to say, you always have great guests for your podcast. And every time I see a new face, I say, well, I also would have invited this person <laughs> nearly every time. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks a lot. Congrats. You've made it to the end. I hope you had a great time and that you learned a few things. To learn more about AI, you can subscribe to my newsletter or check the blog. And to support the podcast, you can give us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. You can also share it with two friends, colleagues or family members that might be interested. I wish you to have a wonderful day. Bye.